Eagle looking great. Here we go. Hi, everybody. This is Anthony. And this is Chris. And this is Ro. Hello. Hi, Ro. How are you doing? Fantastic. Awesome. We didn't announce any sort of special guest. We didn't prep almost at all for it. But I was watching Star Trek earlier today, as I want to do. And I thought, you know what? I really don't want to hear Chris talk about this and only Chris talk about this. <laughs> so I reached out into the Twitterverse. Well, in, in my defense, I've heard Chris talk about Star Trek. And Chris has heard me talk about Star Trek a billion times. 15 years, yeah. Yeah, the, the entirety of our relationship. It's basically based on Star Trek. Wow. It's not, it's not true. <laughs> it's, it's close to being true, but not 100% true. Uh, put out the call. Roe answered. We're very, very happy to have you here. Everyone knows who we are, I assume, and we'll get to that in a minute. But Roe, why don't you give us the 30-second elevator pitch for who you are, what you're about, plug anything you want to plug? Sure. I am Roe from the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. You can see my handle down there. Um, between myself and two of my co-hosts, we talk about anything nerdy. It could be Star Trek. It could be Star Wars. It's mostly Star Wars. We started in 2019 right after Star Wars Celebration here in Chicago. But we um, we realized that our nerdum goes far beyond just the galaxy far, far away. So we talk about everything. Uh, Marvel, you know, comics, DC, uh, sci-fi of all flavors, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, whatever. Whatever nerds are into, we are talking about it over at the Scarif Podcast. We are found anywhere else that you find your other favorite podcast. We are part of the Red 5 Network, over 40 plus content creators on the Red 5 Network. Having a lot of fun. I will say, when you answered the call for the Star Trek podcast, uh, or Star Trek discussion we're going to have today, I, I did look through and it, I had to scroll quite a while to find a, a tweet that was <laughs> Star Trek related. Yeah. Uh, but when I did, it was a nuclear Wessels joke. So oh. I was like, all right, this will <laughs> <The, yeah. laughs> <This'll> work. <laughs> oh, that was on my personal one, though, I think. Not I think the, so. Uh, yeah, not the on your personal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I had to get, I had to make sure you had cred, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know we, we just did a, uh, we just did a two-part Wrath of Khan series. So oh, that's nice. uh, our last uh, two shows, I think. Only two parts, right. huh? Well, you don't love it yeah. as much as Chris. We definitely could have talked for a lot longer. It's the second movie. It's a two-parter. So when they do search for Spock, they're going to do a three-part. Exactly. Right? Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> I could see doing a, a multi-part podcast about the Wrath of Khan, like even three or four parts and really deep diving a lot of things. But I, I could not imagine doing that for search, search for Spock. Yeah. As much yeah. as I actually appreciate that movie more than I think a lot of people do. Yeah, I think it has its limits. And we started because we started going off on a tangent with um, with Space Seed uh, from the original series. So we kind of had to tie it okay. all together and talk about Ricardo Montalban's chest and you know how it is. Of course. That's all I the chest I've about, always actually. wanted. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. This is now um, <laughs> Ricardo's chest podcast. Appreciation all around. Uh, are you going to follow it up with some Into Darkness discussion? Comparing it to Wrath of Khan? You know, we could. We, you know, uh, over at the Scarif podcast, because we're Star Wars related, we like to work in trilogies. So I think you have a, you've got something there. Yeah. That ideal cost you, I'll send you a bill later. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? It'll be the exchange here. Thanks for coming oh, here. Oh, yeah. Sure. Here's my ideas. Yeah, it works. <laughs> we're even. We're even. Excellent. Awesome. For anyone who's who's chiming in because of Roe or the Scarif podcast and doesn't know who we are, uh, we are the Sci Fi Wise Guys. We watch. <laughs> review straight to stream or straight to dvd science fiction or science fiction adjacent movies fan films tv shows uh, youtube shorts distribute originals whatever it happens to be usually it means we're 
rummaging through a lot of garbage to try to find those gems, <laughs> things that are actually <laughs> worth it. It's like a dumpster dive, but it's just... But sometimes we get to watch Star Trek. Yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. like a dumpster dive with Star <laughs> Trek at the bottom. We started the podcast, I guess, two years ago now. We're just past yeah. the two-year mark. And we didn't realize that we were kind of cheating. Like if we'd started this podcast 10 years ago, it would have been a lot more garbage. Uh, but leading into the pandemic and the lockdowns, everyone started putting their movie theater movies straight to DVD or straight to stream as it were, including yeah. Star Trek and all that. So we kind of, we got lucky uh, where we get to watch Jason Momoa as a werewolf one week and then talk about some really good premiere television Star Trek the next week. I still think about Jason Momoa. I had that picture of him in the fursuit up for a long time today, just thinking about it. It'll it'll haunt me for a while. That should be a shirt. What, I'm Jason Momoa in as, as a werewolf? Yeah. Do you just know what we're talking him? about, Ro? I, I don't know how many, how many B movies you watch, but... I think I uh, saw a picture of him. I posted it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty bad. It is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And the movie wasn't good either. <laughs> no, no, it was not. Just, yeah. No, it was not. I got a suggestion for you guys. You should check out an old movie from, I think it's 78 with uh, Kurt uh, Benedict. What's the, the guy that plays Apollo in Battlestar Galactica, the original? Kirk, oh, the original. I'm not sure. Kirk Ben or I am not the person asked to remember actors' names. But it's a movie called it's it's a, it's a B movie. It's, it's fantastically cheesy. And uh, I think you guys will love it. Nice. Okay. Looks like a bunch of snakes. Dirk Benedict. There you go. Dirk Benedict. Uh, it is seven S's, believe it or not. <laughs> seven S's. Short on cash, yeah. undergrad. David Blake takes a job working as a lab assistant for a snake expert, Dr. Carl Stoner. That movie freaked me out as a kid. Because <laughs> you, you see some really cheesy transformations, but at, at, at seven years old, you, you think it's all real. And no, I, this thing is rated 5.4 on, I'm, on IMDb. I don't... Um, wow. 36% rotten. I don't think you know what type of trash we're usually watching. <laughs> 5.4, I'm like, oh, this could be good. This might be a fun film. Yeah. <laughs> Although I have, we have watched films that are rated an 8, and I'm like, no, not at all. Wow, I'm just letting this trailer play without audio. It's fantastic. <laughs> this is really good. With seven S's, it has to be good. Seven, yeah, seven, two, three. Seven. There is no way to watch this on any digital platform without purchasing it. <laughs> well, we'll discuss whether it's that good. Purchase it. Yeah, it's that good. Yeah, that's wow. exactly it's, what it's it is. in demand. <laughs> wow. They're, they're fighting over the rights for it right now. It's a there's a remake planned with Jason Momoa star. <laughs> oh really? No, no, I'm don't, just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. <laughs> I don't think. I saw the lights. I saw the lights in your eyes. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you know how to get to us. It's Jason Momoa. <laughs> I don't know how. I'm putting this on. I'm literally putting on the schedule right now. I'm counting the number of S's. One, two, three, four. So speaking of the schedule, to get a little housekeeping out of the way, uh, next week is J. Tro July. We'll be revisiting Jason Trost's, the most wonderful and most talented film creator, director, producer, actor, master of all things that there is. We're going to be watching uh, FP3, Escape from Baco. And Wet and Reckless. We'll be reviewing both of those next week. I think we're going to be able to hit seven S's before the end of August. So expect that soon. Let we'll me let know. You know how it goes. Let me know. <laughs> You'll get some hate mail. Don't worry. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> awesome. All right. That was a good opening. Yeah. We're, we've wasted enough time. We can talk about what we came here to talk about. Star Trek, Strange New Worlds. 
Dum, 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 dum. We've previously talked about episodes one through five. So we're here to talk about episodes six through 10, kind of the last half of the season for Chris and I. The first half of the season hit really well. Excellent pilot. I think I said it was the best Star Trek pilot we've ever had, which isn't a super high bar if you're even coming from a Star Trek fan. Um, but I do think it was it's really well made. Uh, we really enjoyed the first half. Ro, and as long as you want to take, how did you feel about the first half of the season or the season overall? I mean, the season overall, and obviously we are at the tail end of, of season one, it has been phenomenal. And coming from someone who really struggled to like uh, Star Trek Discovery which I did not, and I never finished even the... what's How many seasons was Discovery? Four? It just finished season four a few months okay. ago. Okay. I didn't even finish season three, I don't think. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, and I love, you know, I love Star Trek. I love the original series. I love the, the movies uh, and, and et cetera, et cetera. So, obviously, Star Trek is, is part of my DNA. And from what I saw... In Discovery with the Enterprise and, and the crew that we now, well, at least the captain that we now know as, as Captain Pike, um, he was the bright spot of Discovery for me. And I was really looking forward when they announced the spinoff show, Strange New Worlds, and uh, it has not disappointed I'm really loving the stories. I'm sure you've seen some people post that is it's it's kind of getting back to the roots of Star Trek exploration and and some of the I don't know the, the character development of of the of the characters that are being introduced in the show. But there's a lot of uh, bright stars, no pun intended, I guess, with the show. Nice. I love all the actors. I love how they relate to each other, the characters. There's some really deep stuff going on. And, and now that uh, we're seeing the, the tail end again of, of this last episode, we're really ramping up to get some really great uh, drama in the next season. So I'm loving it. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Uh, it would, would be really weird if you hated it. Uh, honestly, like after after watching it, it's just really good science fiction. I like that you immediately compared it to Discovery. Chris, you haven't finished Discovery either, have you? I have watched five episodes of Discovery, and they are the first five. I have kept up with it. I enjoy Discovery, uh, but I I think it's very safe to say that it is at the very least polarizing among Star Trek and sci-fi fans because it is very very different, and it arguably I, mean, I don't want to delve. I mean, this is one of those rabbit holes. Uh, it arguably ab- abused some of the uh, uh, the canon and some of the the uh, characters and and. I think they've kind of made up for it in the latter the later seasons, but I will agree with with Euro that Captain Pike and season two of Discovery uh, was the big bright spot in all of Discovery. Yeah. Even, even at, coming from someone who's a fan of Discovery, I'm like, yeah, that was the best part of the last four seasons. It was fantastic. Yeah, I'm really really glad we got this kind of pseudo spinoff uh, from it. Absolutely, it's weird to call it a spinoff. Sure, because. I mean, it is because the character is continuing his story from there, but it's a character that we've known since 1963 or whatever. Sure. So it's, you know, it's a little odd, but yeah. awesome. I had a quick question, if I could. Uh-oh. Please. I am not as versed in Star Trek canon as I am in Star Wars, but watching Discovery, uh, you know, I can see that there's some there's certain things that uh, would rub a Trekkie slash Trekker the wrong way. But I wanted to get your guys' takes real fast, just to kind of sideline a little bit. What were the biggest issues with Discovery when it comes to 
canon. And is it is is it as obvious as Spock never had a sister? <laughs> Wait, what? Spock has a sister? What? Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Come on, Chris. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's fine. Spoiler. The show's been spoiled for me already. I think that a lot of people, I mean, just outside, because Anthony o can give you the, the actual plot points and the character beats or whatever, but I think a lot of people complained about the fact that it was a visual reboot. They're like, the uniforms never look like that. Okay. Why do the uniforms look like that? Like, why do the, the ships didn't look like that? Klingons didn't look like that. And so I think a lot of people who are old school Trek fans who are just unwilling, like, they're just not used to change, mm-hmm. which is weird because Star Trek is a show about change. <laughs> Like everything changes in these episodes, but no, I I like the first five or six episodes of Discovery. I just there's so much stuff for me to watch, and I can't just dedicate myself to finishing four seasons of it. Yeah, but it is a lot of what Chris just said. It is a visual reboot, and that's hard to do. Sci-fi that I mean, of course they're going to have better technology than what was actually displayed in the original series, right? Like it doesn't quite add up. Cell phones exist. (laughs) So that kind of changes, you know, like communicators aren't that cool anymore. We've had them, you know, I've carry one around with me, unfortunately, everywhere I go, that's arguably more advanced than what was displayed in the original series. So there's some of that. I think that the biggest arguments that I will give credence to all around just the way that the stories were told. I mean, if you compare, you, you said you watched a couple seasons, two, two and a half seasons of Discovery. If you compare that storytelling style to what we just got in the one, this one season of Strange New Worlds, it's very different. Mm-hmm. Star Trek, it's a IP, a science fiction IP that doesn't need a gritty reboot. That's not what it is. It's supposed to be the the great hope for the future where we're past scared scarcity and we're over greed and and all of this and so having more flawed characters isn't a bad thing i think it leads to to better storytelling or it can lead to more to better or more varied storytelling not according um, to gene but <laughs> <laughs> fair enough well he's not he's not around to tell us anyway yeah, so right right he's right not here that and the klingon redesign is weird and hard to get used to we did get new um, klingon boobies we did, and that's okay. So that's my major complaint was also that like Star Trek, it hasn't been rated PG all the time. It's not a G-rated show necessarily, but it's never, you know, it's never straight away from family viewing. It more or less, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's even watching Next Generation in an episode that is, um, I'm seven years old watching it live on television, and that episode is about sex. It goes right over my head, mm-hmm. right? It's because it's it's told in, in a certain way. While in Discovery. Not so much. They're right. like, yeah, hey, hey, here's the sex scene. I'm sure right. you wanted this, right? And it's like, no, actually. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Interesting you asked because I didn't care for that. It did get better. I liked the season three and season four after they jumped to the future and stopped dealing with anything that would impact the storyline of, of our, our main characters. Have you guys seen, I was um, talking to a buddy of mine regarding this. Have you guys seen the fan-made Star Trek Continues? Have not. Oh, you have to. It's on the list. You have to. I think isn't it made by the same guy who does who did the the first frontier? I'm not sure. No, I don't think so. But okay. that series was obviously made for, um, by fans and actors, and they put together. But they did a such a fabulous job of recreating the aesthetics of the '60s. And I always thought it would have been some. Uh, the, I guess the the producers of Star Trek would have had some big cojones. If 
they went that way because these guys, they framed everything old school, not widescreen. They framed everything old school. They they had the music. They had the, the sets. They built the bridge. It's done really well. If you guys ever get a chance to check it out, Star Trek continues. It's an interesting concept of, of a fan film. It's the, I think they did seven episodes, and that was- 11. 11, wow. Yeah. Doesn't Chris Duhon play- Yeah. Scotty in that as well. Like he's involved. Yeah. Right. I think it's on our, we at one point discussed, we discussed a lot of things. We at one point discussed uh, doing a, a, because we've reviewed one Star Trek fan film a year or two ago. Uh, We discussed doing more. And I think that's near the top of the list. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of Star Trek fan films are not great. Speaking of the first frontier, I went back and skipped through it. Oh yeah. For the written review. And they actually improved a lot of the audio. Did they? So, they went and fixed the audio. Good. Awesome. Yeah, so. I think that was our one grievance with that fan film is that the audio mix was yeah. horrible. I don't know how familiar you are with that row, but they the, apparently check it, out. it had to be rushed to release to make it for Star Trek Day. Mm. And unfortunately the audio mixing wasn't great. Yeah. No, it was pretty bad. So what's it called? First Frontier? First Frontier. First Frontier. I'll check yeah. it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's about Captain Robert April. Hmm. The very first captain of yeah. the Starship Enterprise. Yeah. He's not Adrian Holmes. <laughs> which is good. How dare you? This is an Adrian Holmes hate podcast, but uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll come around. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about stars. Let's talk about strange new worlds. We, we got a lot of episodes here. Jumping forward to episode six, lift us where suffering cannot reach. This episode is sitting at a 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb uh, with just over 2000 ratings. Do you want to read the blurb for us? I'll blurb. A threat to an idyllic planet reunites Captain Pike with the lost love of his life. Oh. To protect her and a scientific holy child from a conspiracy, Pike offers his help and is forced to face unresolved feelings of his past. Well, you're the guest, Ro. So we're going to let you, for this first episode, we'll let you uh, go first here. How did you like this episode? Thoughts, opinions, rants? Okay, so this episode is one of those that um, it punches you in the gut at the end. You know, you're you've got this story... And you're, you know, you're okay, you're following it, uh, you're on this alien, uh, you know, civilization, and you're dealing with it. But because of what the doctor's going through with uh, his daughter, you know, it kind of blends in with the story, too, at the end. It, yeah, it, it really sucker punches you. And obviously, anybody that that's a parent, based on what happened at the end there, it really gets you. And I, I think, uh, again, it's one of those things that Star Trek is really good at doing. It's about the story. It's about how characters relate to each other and not so much of, you know, the technology that they're living in, the time that they're living in. The story was just very well written. And it's one of those stories that I, I hope, it, you know, it, uh, it generates some sort of uh, sci-fi literary award because it's, it's pretty deep. Chris? I kind of feel the opposite, only for this reason. I've seen this episode before, and I feel like I've seen it three or four times where the crew of the Starship Enterprise comes along, minding their own business, and all of a sudden, boom, there's this kid or young adult that is being, for lack of a better word, forced to participate in something that they may or may not really want to do. TNG is, I think, the most popular version of that where Wesley Crusher, for whatever reason, falls in love with a shapeshifter. Yeah, that's pretty bad. The the only difference between these two, like this episode and that episode, is this one was told way better. The actual meaning behind the sacrifice was important. Like, not just, hey, I'm this genetically modified person that's going to go out and, mm. you know, be the queen or the ruler of this planet, or I'm not uh, hatched from a weird space egg and I have to, like, imp- imprint 
on someone so I can be like pretty much their slave. This was a story about a child who is blessed for whatever reason with a certain amount of technology. I'm not, I'm not sure if all of the people on this planet have it or just this particular person. They are essentially required to power, spoilers, a city. I, I don't know how much you um, know about Warhammer 40k, Row, but there's this guy who's called the Emperor of Mankind, and he sits on a throne and it powers essentially hyperspace mm-hmm. yeah. for for human ships. Like in order to travel across the galaxy, you have to enter in what's called the Chaos Realm. But the difference is that person was an adult. This is a child. Mm. So the story is told a lot better. I just was like, again? Mm. I'm getting this again? Like, I'm glad it was episode six and not episode two, <laughs> not episode three. <laughs> like, I am i don't know if I'd stopped watching just this show, but I probably wouldn't have enjoyed the next couple. I mean, 7.9, I think that's a high rating for this. All the acting's great. Like I said, the, the story was told wonderfully. Like, I don't have children myself, but I can appreciate doing whatever you can to protect them. Something that you love dearly. Yeah. Didn't really enjoy the episode, but I, I can appreciate it's uh, what you're saying. Yeah. Disagreement right off the bat. I love it. <laughs> so toxic. Yeah. <laughs> That's Chris. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Ro. <laughs> I like this episode quite a bit. I agree with Chris. It is not an entirely original story. Well, in the world, there's only like, what, six stories there's a- seven. ever. Seven, yeah. Seven. Seven. We'll come up with yeah, more later. That's fair, but every Star Trek series has done this. They've all done it. They've all done this exact same story. <laughs> Come that's, up with something different. But that's what's great about science fiction. I've gone on this rant before, but for one, you giving that argument, Chris, when you're going to go watch the originals later with your wife is pretty, I don't know, man. For the record, legacies. Legacies, sorry. How, how legacies. <laughs> <laughs> All stories have been told before. And in science fiction, I think you're not only allowed, but I would encourage people to tell the same story differently. Like there's so many different ways. We talked about it before when I think we were talking about, um, I think occupation. We're talking about just a random, I mean, how many alien invasion stories can there be? How many stories can there be about sacrificing either personally sacrificing yourself or sacrificing a loved one for the greater good? I I think this one had a good twist in that the greater good isn't very clear. What is that greater good? Is it worth it? It's just tradition. So it's a lot muddier there than a lot of others. I think the fact that the child sacrificed himself at the end is very interesting too. Because no one, I say no one, they're aliens, but I'm going to assume no one wants to die. That's just how life works. Right. <laughs> You're trying your best to like live to see tomorrow. That's the goal, right? You might come to terms with it or whatever. Your goal is to live. So that to have this young child who willingly sacrificed himself just shows like how ingrained this is in their culture. Because, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, man, it's just, that's heavy. It's very, very heavy. I mean, he does falter for a moment. Yeah, who wouldn't, right? Like, yeah. I, oh, <laughs> like, oh, sorry, guys. I want to go join <laughs> the rebels. I'm out. I'm, my bad. I didn't realize, you know. He's groomed to think that this is this is the way, and or does he really believe it? Like, how old does he have to be before he can make that decision himself? And I, I would argue he's too young, but it's an alien culture, and, and you know, right. you talk about other Star Trek episodes. Let's bring up your second favorite Star Trek character, Roxana Troy, <laughs> falling in love with a man who's part of a culture where I think it's at age sixty-five they're killed. And, you know, him struggling with that near the end because he's seeing like, oh, I could live another 20 or 30 years with this person whom I, I love. 
Um, and in the end, he goes through with it for various cultural reasons. But th- I think this story is kind of the, the opposite of it. And I, I like it when they do that. So I agree that, yes, it's a story we might have seen before, but I like fresh takes on old stories, especially especially in Star Trek, where it can reference itself because there's so sure. much out there. I think it's really good. I thought it was really well done. I, I loved the sets on the alien planet. The uh, I already forgot the name of it. Uh, um, and I, I would just says idyllic planet. I was mixing that up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then it's also got a bit of social commentary, right? Like, what are we sacrificing as a society in order to have a better life? Like, what things do I have in my life only because other people don't have them to be broad about it? I think also a question that's being asked is, are you willing to pay the price? Because mm. these people are dead set on it. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. just Majalis. They're like the, the Majalians. The ma- ma- Majalians? Magellans. <laughs> that sounds. Magellan? That sounds like a TOS. Uh, That's planet, an explorer. Yeah. yeah. But like they are, they are all about it. They're just like, yeah, we'll kill them. We want air conditioning. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I, you know, it's hard. It's it's difficult to look at it from their perspective because this is a fictional television show. But I don't know. I think I just ha- I'd have a real hard time. And I and Homeboy did. Yeah. Elder Gamal, played by uh, Hussein. Marhaji, Mahaji. I he really did. He was yeah. just like, this is my son. Yeah, like I'm his biological father. I don't want him to die. And he ruins his entire life, his career, everything about him, just at a chance to save his kid. Like, I yeah, it's well told. It's just, very well told. I think the yeah. you have the oh, you have society, you have the rebels, you have the kid, you have the father who probably. My impression is that he went along with it until it was his kid, right? Like it impacted him personally, and suddenly he's having second thoughts. And I I, I like this type of Star Trek episode. Because it feels like social commentary, but they could be talking about anything. I think that any of us could point out something that we believed until it impacted us. Like, oh, I have a different, okay, I I understand now. We have things that we're blind to and that we just accept. And we have things that we fight against. No matter how staunch you are, how how hard fast you are in your beliefs... It's good to challenge him. Stand fast. Stead. <laughs> Steadfast. I can't. Steadfast. Steadfast. All right. Ed- it. Editor, fix it. Editor. <laughs> Make a note. Six Make ten. a note. <laughs> no matter how steadfast you are in your beliefs, it's good to challenge him every once in a while. It's healthy. I believe this all, my whole life. Is it still true? Do I, do I need to look at it from a different point of view? And I, I think that at the very least, it, it has that kind of messaging. So. Yeah. And, and that's one of the really awesome things about sci-fi in general. The stories that are told through the lens of sci-fi, you know, really lend themselves to like life lessons, to re-evaluating um, ideologies. Star Trek does it in such a fantastic way, but all sci-fi does it. I mean, Planet of the Apes, THX 1138. I mean, all all these older classic star uh, sci-fi properties, you know, give us a, a different look into certain, you know, aspects of life, ideologies, and uh, yeah. yeah, steadfast. Absolutely. Steadfast. Steadfast. <laughs> it's also funny because people are always like, yeah, I hate it when Star Trek's political. Uh, and, yeah. and then they obviously, maybe they didn't watch the original right. show when there's a guy who's black on exactly. one side, white on the other side, and then white on one side, black on the other. They've been hunting each other for however many yep. years. It's like, yeah, you guys are never, will never be complete unless we're together. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Science Fiction Remnant Podcast is in the chat. They almost joined us tonight, but they have some uh, storms and some power issues at home, so weren't able to. Oh. He mentions that uh, sci-fi also helps science by re- reimagining solutions to current issues. 
it pushes progress along. Yeah. I mentioned cell phones <laughs> as, sure. as a reason why communicators weren't cool anymore, but let's be honest, cell phones are only cool because Star Trek did it first. Exactly. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, who didn't have the little flip phone and just... Yeah. A little Razor, like, Motorola Razor. A little, little Razor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was cheap. I had the same yoke. Oh, no. Hey, man, back in the day, I got that phone for free from Sprint. No, well, hey, free. You can't beat free. (laughs) Can't. Weird. That's like our number one policy. (laughs) When they fold it into my bill. Yeah. (laughs) A little bit of a split decision on episode six, uh, but I still think mostly positive. I think that's fair. (laughs) Let's, uh, Let's really split it up. Episode seven, The Serene Squall. While on a dangerous humanitarian mission, the crew of the USS Enterprise stumbles into a harrowing game of leverage with the Quadrant's deadliest space pirate. So this episode is got the second lowest rating on IMDb at 7.3 out of 10. Chris, do you want to take the floor first with this one? Yeah, so uh, I texted you, yeah. and our, our message consisted of episode 7 and then like 12 rolling eye emojis. <laughs> This episode is like, is it weird that I knew exactly what was going to happen in the first 10 minutes? Like, as soon as the episode starts, I'm like, cool. Spoilers for 321. That lady's the villain. Like, and it and it wasn't the snake eye tattoo thingy. That wasn't it. Like, <laughs> just her behavior. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I just, I'm coming out here. And, you know, I lost my husband. And, you know, I just, I'm trying to come out for these colonists. And the colonists are missing. Like, come on, man. Are you guys dumb? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> she's the bad guy. Everyone knows that she's the bad guy. Oh, the man. only the only part of the story that surprised me is that like the breakup between uh, Tapring and Spock. I, I thought that was going to fall through. I really mm. did. I didn't think that was plan was actually going to work, and then it did. So that's cool. Uh, I mean, just I mean, talking about re- recycling an episode. Geez, like how many times does the Enterprise need to be captured by pirates or Klingons or Romulans or whoever? Aren't Klingons like, just cooler pirates? Is, is it is this the best we can do? I'm just what are we doing? <laughs> how does this keep happening? How does the ship? How does the flagship of the Federation keep getting captured? We, oh, we're, we put our best men out there and they get captured by pirates. Maybe you should hire them. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she shouldn't be a pirate. Maybe we should make her a captain. Give her her own ship. Yeah. You know, like get a call from Robert April. Uh, yeah, just keep just it. Keep it. Just keep. <laughs> just keep it. Just just go to Kronos. Just. Just mess with them, please. Just stop stealing our stuff. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm so aggravated at this episode. But the action was great. We got an Orion. That was cool. He wasn't like a slave, so that was different. I, I thought that the mutiny was really neat. The guns were cool. Like, for the the little amount of action that we got was actually pretty interesting. Spock throwing people around after giving them the nerve pinch was really neat. The manual flying through the asteroid field. I thought it was really cool. I don't know, do you play video games at all, Ro? Uh, some, not a lot. Did you ever play a game called Elite Dangerous? No. Possibly? Mm-mm. Okay. Anthony, you've played Elite Dangerous, yeah? Well, I, I told you I played it so that you'd stop asking me about it. Okay, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> well, in this game, it's a, a true-to-life as much as you can space simulation. And you can try to manually fly through an asteroid field. It doesn't work. It's just not going to be just... You'll die. Interesting. I, I mean, episode, not great. I actually went back and forth with whether or not she was going to be the villain. I was like, she's a bad guy, right? I don't know. Because it was a, a little too obvious that I, I just didn't expect it. I thought, oh, she's obviously the bad guy. They want me to think that she's going to betray them so that, but she's not. Like, there's going to be like a, a double fake or what have you. I wasn't disappointed with the episode. I wasn't upset that she ended up being the bad guy. It's all good with me. Like, I, I was I was pretty happy with it. My only real grievance with the episode was the weird kind of 
the juxtaposition between the A story and the B story with Spock, everything's super serious and what's going to happen with his relationship and Nurse Chapel and this person. I've said it before, like with with Vulcans, uh, the audience, well, the human characters but also the audience have a uh, have a habit of humanizing them and i was doing that pretty hard in this episode but then you you take the over to the mutiny and they basically convinced a bunch of pirates to turn on each other just by making snide yeah. remarks like it's some pirates of the caribbean stuff going on with captain pike and crew i really thought he was star lord like <laughs> he just he was acting like star lord yeah, i was like okay it. cool he's doing cool, it pike. do it so i didn't hate it I will say uh, I'm glad that Spot got back together at the end. Like everything is good. <laughs> they kind of restored the status quo, which is kind of to be expected. I liked the twist at the end. I liked it quite a bit. It made the episode a lot better for me. But otherwise, I don't think it's a bad episode. I think uh, I think it's maybe a weaker episode in this season. But there's a lot of great, great episodes. So, uh, Ro, why don't you wrap us up here? So... This episode, I don't remember a lot of it. And then I had to go, while you guys were talking, I had to go and um, bring up at least some images. Now I do remember it. I wasn't too thrilled for the story. One thing that I have an issue with is overt comedy in sci-fi. I don't know. It just rubs me the wrong way. And I think not that she, not that the main character, um, the antagonist was overtly comedic, but I think her her style of, of wisecracks kind of annoyed me. I think she was very much a a villain's villain. Yeah, just like a little on the nose, a little Machiavellian. Right. Maybe. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just that's her. I mean, yeah. who are you? I don't. You're never going to be in another episode. Shut up. Go away. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't too thrilled with it. Again, you know, visually it's great. Yeah. We get some great moments with with Spock, etc. I do feel that Spock sometimes seems to be on the offensive uh, a little too much in the series lately. But maybe we'll get to that in in a minute. How did we like Cybok? Oh, that's right. Oh, the back of his head. Yeah. Well, I mean, why do we like just the fact that they acknowledge him? Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, Gene Roddenberry pretty famously didn't consider Star Trek V to be canon at all. Mm. Like, he just kind of swept it under the rug. Like, no, we're ignoring all of that. And so they're they're deep-cutting yeah. Cybok here. Throughout the course of this first season, you know, I, I like that they're, you know, dropping little nuggets of, of things that we're going to visit later on, I'm assuming. And that is obviously one of them. We'll We'll see what happens. I just don't want them to i guess they're they're making they're trying to make some connection between now and and then you know with star wars it's it's difficult to to do that cuz there's so much there's so many years of content that's out there and so much media between movies and books and novels and comics etc cetera, etc cetera. It's, it's hard to keep track of all that stuff to make sure that the the dots are connected in a certain way that makes sense yeah. i don't want star trek to fall in that trap sure yeah there's no way that Darth Maul could have been on Tatooine during that season of Clone Wars because blah, blah, blah. Yeah, look, we'll leave Star Wars alone for right now. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's interesting. I didn't think about it until after I watched this episode, and then I waited to bring it up till now. It's almost like I planned a bit. Spock, half human, half Vulcan, has a full Vulcan half-brother who completely denies logic and goes off the deep end. 
and has an adoptive human, full human sister who for most of her mm. life wanted to be Vulcan and, and yeah. followed the teachings of logic. He's like Jan Brady. He's stuck in the middle. Yeah, he's stuck in the middle and he's kind of figuring himself out. I think it makes him a lot more interesting. Like them bringing back Cybok makes Spock more interesting. It actually makes Michael Burnham's character in Discovery more interesting to me as well because of her impact with Spock. Being what it is, it's already done. But it actually makes me wish they'd brought Cybok in discovery, like brought that up. I think that would have been an interesting dichotomy between the three of them. Although, I mean, it's probably safe to say that Michael Burnham never met Cybok, just from judging from the timing of everything. But who mm. knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, Cybok's too interesting of a character to not ever use again. Like, yeah. despite whatever grievances people may have with yeah. The Final Frontier. It's a bad movie. It's, well... <laughs> The reason why people think it's a bad movie, it's because it's an hour and f like 45 minute episode of Star Trek. Well, yeah. It is like out of all the movies, it's probably the only one that could be cut into a two-parter. Like it could have been at the end of TOS and no one would have been, no one would have known it was a movie. Like that could have been the finale of the series. It would be like, oh man, it was so cool when they went behind the nebula and then they, you know, the guy used his lightning eyes. Everyone was like, oh, rad. But since it was a movie, everyone mm. kind of- Expectations are different. And I think that's fair. Uh, yeah. But I will defend insurrection later, but go ahead. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, but, but as a character, Cybok's too interesting because for all of TOS, we heard about like how Vulcan emotions were so powerful. And that's the reason why they suppressed them is because they lashed out. And I think several times they compare the worldwide civil war that the Vulcans had, the word barbarism doesn't even come close to what it was like. I mean, that's how it's described. Yeah. And then when we meet Cybok in the movie, he's this affable, well-spoken, charismatic Jesus figure. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, this is the guy that rejected logic? And he's out here, like, he, I don't want to call him a con man, but he's a true believer. Like, and he has the ability and he uses his psychic Vulcanness to, like, help people explore and just, like, confront their pain. That's too great of a character never to use again. And if they do kind of turn him into the weird psycho, I won't really enjoy it as much. Mm -hmm. But hey, you know, it's yeah. the show that takes place t like 15, 20 years before the Maybe movie. Maybe even so, more, yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. like 30, yeah. And that's one of the cool things about Cybok as an antagonist. I mean, bad guys, really good bad guys don't think they're bad guys. They're, they they have motivation. They have solid motivations, uh, you know, for what they're doing. They have a solid goal. And Cybok is definitely, you know, like that. Yeah. yeah. I think affable, that's such a great word. Wow, you're learning a lot today. Steadfast, steadfast affable. <laughs> affable. Cool. Cool. Uh, no. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. yeah, like the best villains are the ones that think they're the hero, you know, like Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> He's the hero in his story. So That's true. I'm just trying to think of Cybok compared to a lot of the other, like thinking about Star Trek villains in general. There's some that are definitely evil, I would say. But there's a lot that are, they have a, an opposing viewpoint, something that we can't maybe reconcile, but from their own from point of view, they're not like yeah. villains, as it were. It's interesting. Wait, say that again. You said you use the word evil. Who is evil? Who's not evil? Well, I guess what he's saying is like Khan, clearly evil. Like, is willing he though, to really? Kill. Let, well, let's, let's, you know, we, oh, we can well, get, again, we can gonna... get into another two hour episode. Now we're here. All right, you did this. This is your fault, Ro. <laughs> He's, I mean, he's evil he's, only in he's that categorically. He's yeah. he's evil only in that he is willing. Like revenge is not a good motivation, he and it's a dish no best of, served cold. It is a dish that you need to microwave, and <laughs> yeah. he, he's his motivations. Like we understand how he got to this point, and that makes him 
we, that makes us able to sympathize with him, but he's still evil. He's still killing people for the well, sake of revenge he, and for killing. He's also him. a fascist. He also doesn't <laughs> care about collateral damage. And also the fascism part, we kind of we didn't bring that up for a little while. I should have led yeah. with that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the glaring red flag, like the big Sorry. one. I couldn't. One. I couldn't what look are your past... weaknesses? Oh, I'm a fascist. Oh yeah, yeah I couldn't look past his chest. I forgot about the fascism <laughs> right. that he was hiding there back there. My bad. Yeah. yeah, it's the first thing. It's the first thing on his cart. Fascism. Yeah. Is it... <laughs> like in in Cruise from Star Trek Three is evil because he. I mean, he willingly kills a bunch of innocent people. Like they're not innocent Klingons. Yeah, but right. Cruise. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Cruise. Isn't Cruise just being evil? Yeah. Like, like he kills Kurt's son just because he can. Like he's like, yeah, I'm gonna kill him. But there was a motivation gonna, behind that, though. Yeah, he wanted Genesis. Yeah, he wanted the, yeah. the big thing. That that was his I motivation. Guess, he he wasn't he wasn't avenging anyone. Sure, he was an opportunist. Let's talk about pirates. Right. He was a pirate who wanted to uh, get a weapon of mass destruction. And he would do whatever it took to get there. Like, but that's just you uh, imposing your human <laughs> that's centric <right>. viewpoint <laughs> right. on yeah. one of the greatest Klingon. From commanders. my perspective, the Klingons are evil. <laughs> yeah. Fair. All right. All right. Look, <laughs> we've talked about three different Star Trek movies. <laughs> let's let's go on. I think I think we're in the weeds. Um, we're, yeah. <laughs> all right. Episode eight: The Elysian Elysian Kingdom. The USS Enterprise becomes stuck in a nebula that is home to an alien consciousness that traps the crew in a fairy tale. This has the lowest rating of the season, wow. 6.1 out of 10. It is the <laughs> only thing. I think the next one up is a 7.3. So this is the only thing below a 7, and decidedly so. Bro, uh, I heard the wow. So what do you got? This this is an interesting one. So when I saw the, uh, the trailer for the first time, I thought, oh, really cool. Uh, Star Trek is having fun after all these, uh, you know, heavy stories. This is kind of a, uh, what do you call it? A standalone, you know, bottle uh, episode. Nothing was farther from the truth of that. Uh, statement. I think this one too has uh, a message at the end that really punches you in the gut as a as a father. Mm. I think the end when we learn what happened and who was controlling, you know, what the story and the consciousness of the nebula and what happens to the doctor's daughter as they join together. I think if you didn't like the the whole fairy tale story, I think when you got to the end, you're like, oh my God, that's so great. I think it it helped me appreciate that that story, I guess, that the method of how they were telling the story with this the fairy tale aspect of it. And then at you know, at the end when we learned what we learned, it was like fully justified. I think uh it does not deserve a, a what is it, a six point one? Six point one, yeah. But again, you know, this is this is how Star Trek really shines by telling you these types of of, of stories and kind of uh, giving you kind of a you know a punch in the gut at the end. Usually, we get some little bit of a morality tale in these stories, but this was just really probably more functional than than moral as far as uh, what we learn at the end. But because of the strength of uh, you know what we know about the doctor's child that's stuck in the transporter. I mean, talk about, you know, a father sacrificing everything for, you know, so his child could be happy and 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 whole. Yeah, it, it got me at the end. I, th I think it was a really good episode. I described this episode as I was watching it. 
as the Strange New Worlds version of a holodeck episode. Yeah. And I have a soft spot for holodeck episodes. They're not always great. And a lot of times they can be skipped in the grand scheme of things, but they're fun. They're usually more lighthearted. Like there's the stakes are here, right? Like the doctor and then him or they're trying to figure out everything's going on. What's wrong with the ship and blah, blah, blah. And oh, my daughter's missing in the third act and, and all of this. But at the same time, it's, it's like, yeah, they got, they got swords and magic mm-hmm. <laughs> as they're running around. I, I liked this episode quite a bit. I don't think it deserves a 6.1. I think the only real grievance I have with it, the only thing that I think might lower it a little bit is that, I mean, comparing it to Spock Amok, uh, episode four or five, the body swap episode, which is the other kind of lighthearted episode of this season, I, I would say. They Freaky Friday'd it up. It was hilarious. I liked it a lot. <laughs> this episode had that similar type of feel as far as the lightheartedness, but we only got to characters i think this is the only episode of the season bar i guess the finale which we'll get to here soon where i mean captain pike didn't have any character progression or really any any scenes beyond just obligatory captain stuff or tegas they just there's nothing it's just these two characters and i think that lessens it a little bit i think if it had been more of a q not that i wanted q chris so you can calm down it's okay uh but <laughs> oh, like, i got a whole thing coming i know but like uh <laughs> like what's the i can't remember the name of the tng episode where q traps the bridge crew in the the robin hood fantasy yeah. And they're all there. It's just called Merry Men. Is it called like, like yeah. yeah. They're all there. So I think if we had had more characters trying to figure out something, it would have been different. And I, I think it would probably be rated a little higher. I guess I can see why people would rate it lower than some of the others. But I also, I don't think that low. I think it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. And you're right. I was not expecting that ending mm-hmm. to Mimbega's story, or at least that particular story arc with him. I wasn't expecting us to get an ending to that story arc this season, honestly. It was unexpected and nice. Wasn't uh, There were only a few characters that realized what was going on with them. So I think, you know, the captain doing yeah. his, you know, captain stuff and some of the silly things that his character was doing, I think was, it was kind of great. I, obviously, Anson, uh, the actor, was having loads of fun with, with the role oh. here. You can totally tell on screen. Oh, they were all yeah. they were all just having a blast. Yeah. Which made it a lot of fun. For me, that that also brings up my enjoyment of it. When I see the actors really, you know, shining and really having fun, it's 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 really great to see. I guess the only counterpoint to that would be having an episode like that or even a couple episodes like that in a 24-episode season of Star Trek versus a 10-episode season of Star Trek. I feel like it it sticks out a little bit more when I only have 10 episodes. Are you going to use that term filler episode now? And then I have (laughs) a filler episode. No, I don't think there's... I mean, mean, every episode could be a filler episode, but it's it's an episode that doesn't add anything for a lot of the characters, right? We don't see a lot of the characters as themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you have that kind of gap in the middle, like I waited all week to see this, and now I only have two more episodes left right, right. like i wanted something more so I, 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 I i'm not agreeing with it i'm just understanding it i'm playing the devil's advocate here and chris we haven't let you talk i brought up q i think 6.1 is probably an accurate rating for this episode it is a holodeck slash q slash super hyper intelligent entity that takes over the ship yeah like three episodes in a row <laughs> Where I have seen this episode once before, at least. Um, There's that one episode with the kid who makes Riker think that's been like 15 years and he's got sideburns and all of a sudden he can't play (laughs) trombone anymore. And then there's that other episode where where the kid's mom dies and then the alien takes over the room. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with these episodes. 
it's just, I think you guys both nailed it, is that nothing really happens. It's neat that they tied up his his arc in, in Banga's little character arc with his kid. Like, it's neat. They probably could have waited on that. They probably could have finished that in season two. Maybe maybe she comes back in season two. She says, you know, we'll see each other again. Ha uh-huh. But I mean, the fact that like John Delancey did not appear in this episode actually really surprised me. <laughs> and Ro, you don't know this, but I hate Q episodes. I hate any episode in which a hyper-advanced entity just turns themselves into deus ex machina. It's like, oh, yeah, uh, just humans. Well, I'm just going <laughs> to... Now you're in a completely different part of the galaxy, and now the Borg are coming. Hmm. Cool. Rad. Awesome. You know, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make you guys fight in the French Revolution. Hmm. Deal with it. And the reason why is they just, like, I get that it is science fiction, and that the idea that a hyper-advanced entity can reshape reality, right? Because that's like, like, I don't want to say that's the end goal, but that's like Starfleet's purpose is to go out, find new life, new civilizations, strange new and worlds, interact with it. Yeah. Huh. But the problem is, is that when you build up these characters over seven episodes, and then you just immediately override any agency they have by making them play characters in a story, uh, like it's okay. I just this episode didn't need to happen. That's the, I mean that's it. They could have told the story about Mbanga and his daughter. It's not Rukio, is it? Rukia, sorry. Rukio. <laughs> it's an Italian dish. Yeah. <laughs> they could have finished up Mbanga and her story in a different episode that didn't have to involve barely set dressing the ship. Mm. Like, I, I, this was supposed to be prestige television, right? Why, why does the ship look like it's a Renaissance fair? Like, why are we not in a completely different filming location? Oh, yeah, this is a kingdom. We're going through a forest. Eh, there's greenery. That's not a forest. I, I get it. It's a soundstage. But it just I needed a, I needed a little bit more from this guy's risking his career in Starfleet to make sure his kid stays alive to keep her in the pattern buffer right like um, we'll talk about another character's deception here in a few minutes but the fact that like they just hammered this out in a Renaissance Fair episode I did not enjoy there could have been so many other resolutions to that story I had a big problem with this episode. I think a 6.1 is fine. Would you have enjoyed it more if she went back in the pattern buffer after at the end and that was still unresolved? No, that would have been worse for him, I guess. That reduces the meaning of the episode even further. Right. It's This episode, I guess what this episode's trying to tell you is that one, you need to let go. Like that's what you need to do. You need to learn how to let go. And the second thing you need to do is like accept the reality in which you, like not accept the reality, but like accept things that you can't change. This guy is risking his career to cure a disease that he can't cure. Mm. And the only reason why anything gets fixed is because he's, you know, getting high in the mid bay. <laughs> like, he's like, I'm just going to start mixing chemicals. And one explodes in my face. Like, oh, uh, like, had he not been done that, like, Hammer probably would have been executed for being a weirdo wizard, you know? And then how long would this charade have continued? I don't know. I predict, and I was going to ask a rhetorical question, do we think that the doctor is going to stop doing his research? I think in the next season, there's going to be some sort of story arc where they encounter some sort of alien and then he gets he gets the answers he was uh, looking for, but a little bit too late now mm-hmm. that his daughter is gone. I think that that would be kind of heartbreaking for, for that character. Even more bittersweet than it already is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I did feel like the storyline with him and his daughter already felt like it was on the back burner 
Like it never, it kind of came to the front with the, um, which was a few episodes ago, the uh, Lift Me, We're Suffering, Can't Reach, what have you. It kind of was there in the A story, but really it was just kind of a, it was still kind of B story. Him revealing that the daughter was even there was a coda to an episode where it didn't, it it barely came up and didn't really have an impact. I would agree, I guess, very little with you, Chris, that the way that they decided to wrap it up was kind of odd. I think it's a fun episode. I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to rewatching it when I when I do rewatch the before rewatch all of them before season two. I understand. I also know that you hate these types of episodes from the get go, so it's already starting on the back foot here. So that's the thing is I can I can dislike them and still enjoy watching them. Sure. When Q shows up and he's like teleporting around the bridge, like that's funny. <laughs> and like the dude who like blows up a plane, like what what does that guy do? I don't know what you're talking about. The Hushnak. The Hushnak. I didn't kill the Hushnak on the ship. I killed all the Hushnak. That guy. Oh. Kevin. <laughs> Kevin. Kevin. Kevin Uxbridge or um, whatever. Yeah, Kevin Uxbridge, yeah. Like that's a, that's a fun version of that story because like it flips the script on the Q idea mm. where it's like, hey, there's this guy, but he does he doesn't want to interact with us. Whereas these other entities willingly go out and disrupt operations on the ship. Sure. And they could have done a dress up episode. They just didn't need to do the Mbanga Rukia thing. Okay. That's 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 all my whole point. Okay. Is like they just wrap up that story in a different episode. Make it to where, I don't know, like very similar to the episode where we discovered that she was in the pattern buffer. Like, Doctor, we have to use the emergency transport in the med- medical facility. And he's like, I can't do it. And he's like, well, why not? Like, I just, I can't tell you. I just can't. No matter what you do, I just, I can't tell you. And then for some reason, something happens to the pattern buffer and she's gone. How much more of an impact would that have had as opposed to, nah, I'm just going to play dress up with my friends. I don't know. I, I get it. I understand. Split decision. I don't know if y'all saw this trivia. I saw it posted on, on uh, I think, Twitter after the episode came out. But the book, The Kingdom of Elysium, that Dr. Mimbega is reading to his daughter is written by Benny Russell, hmm. who is the science fiction author that Avery, Bo- Avery Brooks, or I guess Captain Sisko is uh, in the, uh, the 50s flashback episodes hmm. of Deep Space Nine. And I thought that was, those cut. are some of the best episodes. And those, yeah, it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good deep cut in Star Trek. And I love me some Deep Space Nine. Let's uh, shift over here to episode nine, or I don't know, the first season finale for season one, <laughs> All Those Who Wander. The USS Enterprise crew comes face-to-face with their demons and scary monsters, too, when their landing party is stranded on a barren planet with a ravenous enemy. This has got an (gasps) 8.4. So the last two episodes being the the lowest two rated episodes, this one's kicking it right back up. Ro, you want to take first stab? I remember this one was pretty action-oriented. Obviously, when there's an away team that goes off and, and has an adventure. I think that's always visually stunning to, to watch and refresh my memory. Were they Gorn? They were Gorn. Un- yes, my, yes, un- so. Unseen Gorn at this point? They, we see them near the end. We see the adolescent Gorn yeah. crawling around, but it's the whole aliens motif. They're on the crash ship. What Ro might be referring to is the epi- the other episode with Gorn we never actually oh. see. Oh, yes. okay. So this, this is point, the alien yeah. one. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, this was phenomenally done. And I was watching some behind-the-scenes stuff with uh, the producers talking about how they really kind of went outside the box on this one and, and showed horror image themes that uh, resonate with, like you mentioned, Alien. I liked it a lot because it was different. I liked it a lot because they did some uh, some new things with the special effects. You know, I'm always wary when they use puppets, but um, they did a, a really great job with, uh, again, because I'm a 
I'm a cinematographer and editor. I love the juxtaposition of the shots, you know, especially with the horror elements. You've got the flash of lights and the editing. It was really, you know, it was nail biting. And I think what they did with what's the characters, uh, the the big animatronic dude. They did a fantastic job with, uh, with oh, that one. Oh yeah, the blue alien yeah. guy. I don't know. If, I can't remember. He had like a really odd name. He was called Buckley. Buckley. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't know his name. We didn't. They didn't speak his language. It was just the the little girl that was yeah. with him called him Buckley. Played by Carlos Albernoz. I think it was a great episode. Again, you know, very action oriented. A lot of stakes. There were a couple of new crew members that were introduced and killed, which was yeah. al- al- always. Great red, red shirt, shirt, yeah. red shirt. Yeah, <laughs> saw that coming a mile away. Right, like, exactly. Mm. It's like, who is this new guy? Oh, this away team has three new people on it. <laughs> mm. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I, I liked it. Eight point one. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Third highest rated episode after Memento Mori, and then the the season finale being the highest rated. Uh, Chris, how did you feel about our Gorn alien? I enjoyed the visual redesign, especially because in TOS, while the Gorn looked scary. They were not scary. <laughs> you don't say. And I don't, maybe it might just be me, but I'm looking at this shot. Can you pull up the images of this on the IMDb page? Yeah. Image number what? Uh, 16 of 17. Oh, there you go. Okay. Right in the middle to the right of the ship, like if you count the peaks, one, two, three, four, is that peak like that rock that they fight on, that famous rock in California? <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> It, 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 that, <laughs> like when I was looking at this image earlier, I was like, holy crap, is that that That's rock? another deep cut. That would be some attention to detail <laughs> for <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> wow. Two things. Um, speaking of attention to detail, the ship is called the USS Peregrine. Mm. Uh, the Peregrine Falcon is the fastest animal on the earth. Funny story. Well, not a funny story. Fun bit of trivia, I guess. <laughs> I do agree. It did feel like an alien, like aliens. It really did. Like the whole, we're on this broken down ship. We're stranded in an environment that is not conducive for our survival. That's been done, but- Members, only seven stories. Relax. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, like in, terms of, like, in terms of Star Trek, this is probably the best version of that story that I think I've seen. Because the only other one that I can think of off the top of my head is when Picard breaks his leg and Wesley has to shoot a bunch <laughs> of weird flo- floating lights. They spend the night in the Star Trek caves. and Yeah. 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 I, I really enjoyed the planet itself. I thought it was interesting. Uh, Hemmer's like, oh, this feels just like Andoria. That was neat. That's a nice little throwback. Killing off the red shirts, I think, was done pretty well. I'm not sure like how you can fight the Gorn if the babies can drag what appeared to be a 300-pound man across the room down a hallway into the darkness. That's like, what makes them so terrifying. How am I supposed to fight that? You be Captain Kirk and rip your shirt ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Drop kick him. Do like the giant boulder. Double fist Double axe handle. Double fist punch. I really did. I I really did like this episode. I thought it was a lot of fun. We get more character development for Spock. You know, Uh, you talked about him being front and center uh, row, Um, like him dealing with the the emotions I thought was really cool. Mm -hmm. Vulcans are scary in and out of context because like they're as like they're stronger than Klingons. Like, or as strong, and they're just like totally cool until you make them, like, for whatever reason, you make them mad, then they become murderous psychopaths. So that's neat. And they have green blood. Wait a minute. Yeah. (laughs) Hold on. Are they just a race of hulks? Probably. Hmm. I I really like the storytelling. Uh, The only thing I didn't necessarily enjoy was the performance of the little girl, but it's hard to criticize child actors. You do it all the time. I don't. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) 
What a I punk. Mean, just because it's hard doesn't mean it, yeah. it's not going to stop me. <laughs> no, no, no. I just like uh, not her performance as much as her direction. I don't know. Like, I just didn't enjoy the way that character was portrayed, I guess. Like, oh, I came here because it's cold, because <laughs> they don't like the cold. Okay. Did we really need a scene to explain that? Yeah. I don't know. That was the exposition. I don't know. That was the exposition, man. Let's <laughs> get with the exposition. Yeah. Just yeah. give me, start in media res. I don't need exposition. Just tell me everything before the show starts. Like in a like in a crawl that goes up. You shush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's a cardinal sin. Some, That's a cardinal <laughs> sin. Music. Any get John Williams in here? I, I Chris hates Q episodes, and I hate media that starts with text. <laughs> You're not Star Wars. Don't do it. Like George Lucas cornered that, and it's acceptable for three paragraphs. Uh, everyone else should leave it alone. I think this episode is a top contender for Spocktober for maybe okay. a deep dive. Dropping Spocktober right I now? just mid, mid-pod dropped Spocktober. We'll be discussing Star Trek horror episodes for the month of October. Very nice. I think this is uh, definitely up there. I talked about earlier about, yeah, science fiction, just retell a story. Star Trek's like, hey, let's tell Alien. I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool. do it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, let's do it. There was also some like, I feel like it was a little bit of Predator. Yeah. yeah. Like mainly when they when they're being tracked and the vision changes right. mm-hmm. and the way that the, like the Gorn are like genetically engineered. Like I don't want to say genetically engineered, but like they exist as a race to hunt and kill, which is very neat. They somehow still, you know, invented science and space travel and, or maybe they didn't, maybe they stole it. Like, you know, who knows? Yeah. I don't have anything to say that y'all haven't already said. Uh, as far as the the composition of the episode, it is very much an homage to that 80s monster alien movie. You mentioned you didn't mind the redesign of the Gorn, right, Chris? Yes. Yeah. How did you like the look of the Gorn, Ro? I think it's fine. I think, um, you know, they, they, I think they brought it, they, they updated it to more modern expectations, you know, especially because, yeah, I mean... Is that that's the is that the adult or the adolescent one or the? Ch- yeah, it's the adolescent yeah. one. They never we never see the adult, so they could. So actually, they could they could bring yeah they could bring the adult in a future episode, and it looks exactly like what we know. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I absolutely ha- don't have a problem with the look of the Gorn, you know, the babies or the, the this older one. I think it's okay. it's super frightening. Again, like they like what they did with the editing and the lights and the flashes and him the the, the creature running towards you is just it's frightening. I think they did a good job. Does seeing this picture of reptile from 1995's Mortal Kombat change your mind at all <laughs> about the design of the adolescent Gorn? Well, that's funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love this episode, but as soon uh, as I saw the adolescent Gorn poking out, I was like, oh, it's Reptile from Mortal Kombat. It's the same face. Oh, my goodness. You said the baby ones look like little aliens or whatever, but I got real space balls vibes. Oh. When it first popped out of that dude's chest. Uh, yeah. And, you know? Yeah. Well, if we're going, they're going with the homage. I mean, why not? Yeah. 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 I called this episode the first season finale. Like watching this episode, I actually like near the end. I was I got my phone out and I was like, "How many episodes are in this season? Yeah. Is this the is this the end?" And I didn't think I didn't realize it because they wrap up Yohara's episode, uh, Yohara's kind of story arc. Like she's done with her doubt shift, I guess. Oh. On the uh, yeah, she's gonna stick with Starfleet, but she's also done on the Enterprise. Like she's leaving along with uh, well uh, that other cadet, R.I.P. Chia, Chia, Chia. 
Wow, that was talk about deep cuts to my childhood. <laughs> Sung is uh, I always say her name wrong. I've said her name wrong. Laon. 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 She's leaving. She's taking a, a sabbatical. sabbatical. Yeah, for how however long. I'm imagining it's uh, I'll be back in season an, uh, season two episode one or two maybe like the end of episode one something like that. And then we have Himmer. Very unexpected. Like we start the episode. I think we all agreed. We start the episode and like oh there's some red shirts. There's going to be some deaths, mm-hmm. and they did them really, really well. I did not expect a main cast death going into right. this in the slightest. Yeah. Did you think it was a fake out at any point? No, and I was hoping it's not, you know, because you know, not to mention Star Wars again, but you get uh, a lightsaber through your gut and you live. I just want deaths to be kind of meaningful you know, in these stories, because they're supposed to carry weight, they're supposed to mean something, you know, whether it's a sacrifice or a death uh, in a certain way, I want the characters to be worthy of that, of that death. Absolutely. I, I guess Chris told you ahead of time that we didn't, we ended up not doing the Obi-Wan episode, so you had to bring that in. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I definitely did not expect it mid-season. Like, I would expect it more in the season finale, which I think makes this m- more impactful. Right. You mentioned cheap deaths or, or really cheap lives or living almost uh, with Star Wars. Uh, the Star Wars television has done that a lot where it's like, oh, well, that person's a cyborg now. Right. Oh, that person lived because their rage fueled them or, <laughs> right. or whatever. I'm not sure. Rage can be the hell of an anesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. I've been told. Mostly when I get stabbed <laughs> with a lightsaber, I'm like, oh, I'm dead. Interesting. <laughs> This is not how I expect. I didn't expect to, one, find out the lightsabers are real, and two, die from one right away. Although lightsaber wounds are, they cauterize. That's why there's not a lot of blood. Right. So right. maybe, you of know, course. maybe he missed, I mean, he went right through all the main yeah. chest cavity there. She might not be human. Who knows the organs? She has like four hearts. Anyways, I would almost compare this to Tasha Yar, um, like a better version of, of Yar's death. Like Roddenberry, whenever they were going to write off Tasha Yar, because the actress wanted out. He gave her a cheap death. And he said it was because he wanted it to be like, that was for nothing. Like we died for no reason. And that was kind of part of his message. I appreciated this so much more. I think this is the first Star Trek death of a main character that I'm like, yeah, okay, he sacrificed himself. Like he chose this and it, and it, and it builds up. And for being, for his character on paper, being kind of a jerk mm-hmm. and being off-putting for me to care about him, like they, they really brought me along into what I thought was going to be an arc of of him becoming more lighthearted or, or, or accepting of people and we're accepting of him and all this. But no, we just learned that he is duty bound and he's a pacifist. He's just such a unique character. And then he fulfills his purpose, as he puts it. And I oh mean, I, I loved it quite a bit. Like, I hate that he's gone because I love the character. Right. But it, to your to your point, Ro, that's what makes it so good. If it had been some cheap thing where he got transported at the last second or whatever, like it just it wouldn't have worked. He'll be in the emergency uh, pattern buffer next season yeah he's in the emergency pattern buffer until we can separate him from the gorn or something who knows yeah excellent episode fantastic oh ro did you did you know that the actor who plays that character is blind in real life did you know that yeah i did yeah yeah when we when we first talked about it who do you think you're talking to (laughs) i was just asking Uh, some star wars nerd who doesn't know real (laughs) sci-fi right when we were talking about it i was like man that's cool not that he's blind. <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah. but the fact that they actually cast an actor that is blind to play a character that is blind. Yeah. So I mean, I it's awesome. a lot of the times they don't do that. I mean, yeah. Jordy's right there, man. You don't have to call him out like that. Lavar Burton <laughs> did his best. Sorry, he wasn't blind, like for real. Well, specifically, I watched Contact the other day. Oh, and there's a there's a guy in there that's not blind. 
we saw that Jason Momoa show C. S-E-E? Yes. Everyone's, well, for the most part, everyone is blind. Obviously, Jason Momoa is not, but they had a lot of blind actors in that show, which I thought was fantastic. All right, let's do this. It's the episode we really want to talk about. Episode 10, Equality of Mercy. In the season one finale, just as Captain Pike thinks he's figured out how to escape his fate, he's visited by his future self, who shows him the consequences of his actions. This has got a rating of 9.2. This is wow. the only only thing over a nine. It is by far the highest rated episode of the season. Ro, I'll let you, this is our, our last bout. I'll let you take the floor first. Man, what can I say about this episode? We had some really great callbacks to classic Star Trek movies. We had Pike in that uh, wonderful outfit uh, yeah. that we all love it. The texture was a little different. Those are the best uniforms. It was a little too shiny. They had the same shiny shoulders. Yeah. What impressed me about this is like the little things. Uh, there were a lot of really great callbacks, though, but one of my favorite ones was, and it was from the um, original series episode that this is based off of. There is, There's one shot in the original series where they first see the uh, Romulan and it looks like Spock, obviously, and the original series. And the camera does a, a, a truck into Spock, and then Spock just goes, you know, does his signature um, eyebrow thing. And they do it in this this episode as well, which again, like deep cut. I think I think the producers are really going back to not only their memories, but maybe looking at some of the older episodes and really saying, what can we what can we do to kind of bring some of this stuff back into Star Trek lore? And this season really is, you know, showing us that they um they're taking that extra effort to do that. And it's being appreciated, I think, by by the fans. Which I think is something that Discovery hasn't done. But you can really tell that the season of Strange New Worlds is is doing that. I love this episode. I'm going to actually go watch it again after we're done. I mean, it's got that 9.2. Would you agree that this is the best episode of the season? I think so. I think there's a lot, like I said earlier when we first started, this season really has um, surprised me in a good way. Just really, really top-notch stories and and writing but this one really there's a lot there to unpack even you know with the relationship of uh spock and 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 pike there's a lot there that has a major significance to their characters as we see them later on yeah well deserved had you seen the episode that this is based on balance of terror prior to seeing this oh yeah yeah obviously again who who are you talking to (laughs) gonna make me feel bad here in a minute This is how you write a season of television when you don't know if you're going to have a season two. This is fantastic. We said episode nine, which is for all intents and purposes, a season finale for a lot of our characters. And then we get a Captain Pike episode where we get mm-hmm. the, the end to his arc with a little bit of cliffhangers left in there for, for some other people. I liked the way that Anson Mount acted against himself, played against himself, because he doesn't look that different, but different enough in the way he holds himself and the way he's kind of moving and and the way he talks is a little bit different. And I, I really appreciated the subtle ways he was aging himself. I had not seen the episode Balance of Terror prior to seeing this. I've not watched a lot of the original series, mostly because it's before my time. And as much as I can appreciate the stories I've seen in the movies and the characters, uh, sometimes it's it's difficult to get through some of the older stuff. Uh, but I did go back and watch it uh, actually today. And yeah, like talking about the shots, like shot for shot, 
reveal of the Romulan bird of prey. The music notes are the same. Like it's it's very, very well done. And I can see why they chose this episode out of any episode. Hey, we're gonna take, we're gonna do a time travel thing and replace Kirk with with Pike and 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 show this is like why he needs to do this or why how it would be different. They did it and they did it really well. And I, I can't think of a better episode for them to have chosen. But I, I love that they didn't make Pike better than Kirk. They didn't make Kirk better than Pike. They are just different people who handle the situation a different way. They're right. both right. One just had an unintended, much worse outcome than the other. I think there's a it's a famous line from, or much repeated line from Next Generation, where Data loses some board game against some alien who's really good at it. And he's like, I don't understand. I did everything right. Like I, I'm, you know, he's data. I'm a, he's basically, he's a walking computer. There's no way he can right. lose. And Picard's like, oh, well, you know, that's what it means to be human is you could do everything right and still lose. And this episode reminded me of that quite a bit. I agree. Best episode of the season. That being said, it is the season finale. It is standing on the shoulders of the nine episodes before it. It's just fantastic. Shout out to another podcast, Open Pike Night. I think we've mentioned them before. I sent in a clip where I complained about Josh Frain uh, not playing both Sarek from Discovery and the Romulan commander. Like the original series had the same actor. They repeated a lot of actors. And then someone, I don't remember who it was because I don't recognize, I don't remember all their voices. Someone mentioned, well, yeah, they had Kirk on there. They didn't have the same guy playing Sam Kirk play Jim Kirk. And I was like, oh, you're right. That would have been even better. (laughs) (laughs) He just shaves the mustache. Yeah, I'm Jim. My name's Jim. Uh, (laughs) Chris, I know you're the, the big TOS fan. Biggest I know. How did you feel about this episode? I really enjoyed it. There were a couple things yeah. that yeah. that I really liked. Memento Mori, I think, is the episode in question, which was the I think the one we called the submarine episode. The very the kind of homage to Khan and yeah. Well, Balance of Terror, I think, was the original submarine episode where right. uh, there's two ships that can't really interact with each other very much like hunt for red october where they're hunting the bird of prey but they can't give away their position or do anything or else they'll be blown to bits right and then and then uhura drops a data pad and it's all gone to (laughs) (laughs) sir it's the dallas it's right above us someone just dropped 45 cents (laughs) that was a down periscope reference sorry the thing i I really liked uh, I, i enjoyed kirk's recast Paul Wesley, I've seen a lot of stuff that this guy's in because he's in every single episode of the uh, Vampire Diaries. He looks enough like William Shatner, a little bit more like William Shatner than Chris Pine did, which I'm okay, you know? He's a Chris, he's doing it for the culture. I enjoyed the standoff, like the idea of the bluff when Kirk reappears with all the mining Mm. equipment. Mm. And uh, he's like, those are automated mining craft. And he's like, well, they don't know. And he does the same thing in the the Corbomite Maneuver which is a famous TOS episode where they bluff. They're like, oh yeah, man, if you blow us up, I got this highly um, reactive material on my ship. I just um, watched that episode last night. Yeah, too. It's like, it, it'll blow us up. It'll blow up the quadrant. Everything will be destroyed if you kill us. So if you, if you want to kill us, go ahead and kill us. You'll just kill yourself. There wasn't enough ramming. Like there was a lot of ships flying in the direction of fire, but there wasn't enough like ramming speed like i'm surprised that no one shouted that i'm really upset Worf wasn't in this episode so yeah there was no one to do it <laughs> perhaps today is a good day to die that's a really bad michael dorn don't ever do that again well i wasn't doing michael dorn i was doing Worf. so there you oh, go God. the time traveledness eh, you know um this was kind of like a mirror verse episode or not a mirror verse um but uh what's that one 
where Tasha Yar comes back. Oh, yesterday's Enterprise. Oh yeah, yesterday's arguably Enterprise, yeah. the best episode of TNG. Yeah, that's pretty good. I was at a Star Trek convention years ago, and I met what's the writer's name? I forgot. He started as an intern, then he was helping, and then they said, "Hey, you want to help us write this episode?" <laughs> Eric Stillwell, hmm. good guy, good guy. But absolutely loved that episode. But sorry, my train derailed when you mentioned yesterday's oh, Enterprise. Sorry, no, that's fine. And I think there's also the Picard episode where he doesn't get stabbed in the heart. Mm. Not only the lesson that Data learns that even if you do everything right, you can still lose, but you shouldn't change what's going, like, not so much that you shouldn't change, but like, the future is a future, but not all futures are the ones that are really worth it. He mentions that they, they do a bunch of simulations or they go through all the different timelines and in every single one, Spock dies. I thought was really neat because he is like probably the most important Star Trek character. Like if you if you zoom out on a, in a macro sense, Spock is probably the most important character. Like not only in universe, but also out of universe. He was the first alien on the ship. Yeah. You know, as far as, far as we get, if we didn't have Spock, then we couldn't have had Worf. We couldn't have had Data. We couldn't have any of the Daxes. So that's really cool. And so like to see him die on screen or to see his fate transferred to Spock, I thought was really cool. It was a really interesting way of doing it. Teaching Pike, you can't change the future. And even if you could, you shouldn't. Not Yeah, not so much that you can't, but you really shouldn't. Yeah, just because we can doesn't mean we should. The Borath shout out, which is funny because we were just talking about Borath when we were doing our Spocktober bits. Yeah. We'll save that for later. But I really, really, really thought this episode was an interesting capstone. First of all, the idea that the like were the Romulans always there? Like I don't remember if they warped in or they just decloaked at the last second, which is a, a very much a Romulan maneuver, which is overwhelming force in the sign of aggression, mm. right? Cause they they really are cowards. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying anything controversial there, but they are cowards. They have no honor. But the the idea that they would just they would go across the neutral zone, blow up a couple space stations or um outposts or whatever and then take off yeah and then run away and then be like oh yeah you attacked us well cool it's one-on-one i don't like that i'm gonna call my my big sister and she's gonna come beat you up yeah really interesting capstone episode probably the best episode of the series oh there it is probably the best episode of star trek in the past uh, 20 years wow i love that you got halfway through that and then you said first thing i'm like wow first uh <laughs> Awesome. I'll say it. You know, I, I said that Stranger World had the best pilot out of any Star Trek series. I stand by that. I think it has the best season finale since yeah. like maybe like the 10 part ending to Deep Space Nine, but that's that's not really fair. Time Zero. Uh, time Zero. <laughs> yeah, since uh, since Mark Twain showed up. <laughs> or the uh, Borg cliffhanger. The Borg from... cliffhanger. You're right. Locutus. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I would put that above this. But the fact that we're like, we're naming four or five episodes, and and really, those are all really good episodes. To compare this to, I think, says a lot for yeah. this. Wanted to ask you guys something. You Please. mentioned uh, teaching Pike, and I don't know if I was reading into what they were talking about at the end, but they talked about Spock going on. You know, it's important for Spock to to live. It's important to Spock to mm-hmm. exist. I almost got a feeling that they were specifically they specifically wanted you to think about not only obviously all the cool things that Spock has done with Kirk but even beyond that like unification yeah. um, efforts that we see in the next generation and and things like that because of his interest in bringing the Romulans and Vulcans back together again did you get any sense of that or was i reading into that 
Oh, no, it's 100%. Totally intentional. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, Pike saw a future with the reunification of the Vulcan okay. and Roman. That's, that's the heavy implication, I thought. Have they confirmed that the Kelvin verse is canon in Star Trek? Because he's yeah. saying that the only chance for peace with the Romulans is Spock. In the Kelvin verse, there is peace with the Romulans. So, like, if Spock dies, then we never get the Kelvin verse either. He's super important. I've spoiled so much of Discovery for you already, but in Discovery season three, it's revealed that they did reunify. Like they all live on one planet, Navarre, which is they renamed Vulcan to to be inclusive. Is that where um, the Mandalorian lives too? Oh, that's Navarro. (laughs) Yeah, no. Mandalorian lives on a ship. Just he's on the highway, you know, (laughs) on his his Naboo Roadster. Navarro, a.k.a. Tatooine at night. (laughs) So much toxicity. Yes. Welcome. Why do they keep going there? There's so many other planets. Is the set that good? My favorite part is episode seven, starting on a desert planet that wasn't Tatooine. Hmm. I was like, oh, there's more than one. Hmm. Anyways. All right. So as far as Star Trek is concerned, I'm going to put you on the spot, Ro. How would you rate season one? A scale of one to 10. Any qualifications, doesn't matter what you're comparing it to, as a season of television, as a season of Star Trek, sci-fi, whatever. How would you rate this first season? 9.3. Ooh, okay. I was Fantastic. super impressed with uh, season one. Again, after coming back with Discovery, I thought it was very lackluster. I, you know, I know Star Trek can be great, and Strange New Worlds proved that to me once again. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's it's up there for me. And not only as as a Star Trek, but as a television series, I think it's it's well written, it's well executed. Really enjoying it. Chris, one to ten. I'll give it. An 8.95. Ooh. I cannot give it a nine after three stinkers in a row. They're all well shot. They're all well acted. They're all well produced. Like everything about this show is great. But you know what? You know what show was really shot well that didn't, that wasn't great? Game of Thrones. (laughs) Uh, Unless your contract levels were too low. Yeah. (laughs) Color correct it yourself with a pirated copy. Yeah. What's with this night filter? No. Um, yeah, I think I'd give it an 8.95. Yeah. I didn't know we were going to get this granular with the points and all this. <laughs> so I was going to give it a nine. Uh, but if I had to think real hard about it, yeah, like a nine, 9.5. I think this is, as Rose said, it's just fantastic television. It's just, it's really good. The fact that it's, it's Star Trek yeah. on top of that, like it's really nice, like being the, the huge Trek nerd that I am. I say that I've no, I saw Bounce of Terror three hours ago. <laughs> so I mean, take that with a grain of salt. Right. Uh, as a big '90s Trek fan that I am, like I loved, I loved this so much. I think the only problem that you might have, because what makes this so great is, I think it's some since it is such great television that it might creep in and start to step on Rathacon's toes. Is the thing that I would suggest you watch if you've never watched Star Trek. But there's so much Pike his like prehistory. The only reason why I know what Pike's freaking out about in the first couple episodes is because like I watched that I watched that episode 20 30 years ago when I was a little kid. But like a, a newcomer to the to the intellectual property might be like uh, why is he freaking out? Yeah. Well that that leads right into I was going to ask like do you feel like I mean you've kind of answered already Chris but like do you feel like if I've never seen Star Trek before is this a good starting point? Yeah. It's just like Rose said it's great television. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a hard question. I always ask that of my Star Wars friends because there's, like I said earlier, there's just so much media out there. There's so much, you know, with an IP as old as Star Trek is, there's just a lot. I mean, 
do you, do you watch just the movies? Do you watch just the series? Then there's Star Trek, the animated series. Uh, you know, it's no, there's not. There's a lot there. Absolutely, I would say this is this is a good starting point. I think that uh, previous to this, I would have said TNG. But let's be honest, the first few seasons of TNG have not aged particularly well as far as modern quality expectations go. I think this is a good starting point for the type of storytelling and just for the overall universe that is Star Trek. I don't know where you go from here. Like, do you like you finish these episodes? You want to watch more Star Trek? What's the second thing you suggest? Do they go back and watch the original series and, and try to, to do that? Do they watch the movies? They start with Wrath of Khan or the motion picture? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it does well as a primer, but as all things, I feel like you should always watch things in the order in which they were released, mm. which Ro, like as a Star Wars fan, as if Anthony and I are not, but like, what did you, like, how do you present the movies? Release order. Release order. Okay. Otherwise, uh, Empire Strikes Back has no meaning for you. That shift in tone and the surprise at the end, Luke, I am your father, means nothing. It's like, oh Ooh, yeah. spoilers. I already, I already, I, we didn't yeah. warn about that. I'm sorry, guys. Everybody. <laughs> Bro, jeez. I said spoilers like 30 you did. minutes we, I, lo- I love that we get halfway through and they're like, oh, by the way, spoilers. Like they couldn't tell <laughs> right. what we're going to review. Have you ever heard of the Machete Order? Yes. For Star, uh, Star yeah. Wars? Yeah. Have you ever no. watched it in that um, order? No. Not appealing? Not appealing to me at all. Okay. The machete. Uh, you go episodes four, five, and then you flash back and watch episodes two and three, and then you finish with six. Mm. Yeah, no. Yeah. You don't watch one then? Yeah. Sad. Uh, look, <laughs> you say sad, I say unnecessary. But that's a different podcast. <laughs> you guys can come on. Yeah, you guys can come on uh, to our podcast. Yeah. We can talk about Phantom Menace. Oh, I, I don't I don't know if you want to put a quarter in me and wind me up for Star Wars, man. Like, I got a lot of thoughts I, about Star Wars. <laughs> as much as Chris has thoughts about Star Trek, Star Wars is a, a very different beast. I love it. I, I love Star Wars, but I love to make fun of it. Yeah, well, it's easy to do so. I mean, anything that's as that old. I mean, we could sit here and talk about cheesy Trek episodes for a few hours if we wanted to. Is there anything you want to talk about concerning Strange New World season one, Chris? Is there anything that we didn't harp on that you'd like to harp on? The only thing I think there's, I have a few questions. Uh-oh. One, who is Kelsey Grammer? <laughs> Bro, this is a bit where we recast one or more characters. It's totally up to you. But if you, if you could replace... In the like, it, normally we would just do the episode, but since as we did, this is a series review. Who would you recast as Kelsey Grammer in this show? Shelley Long. Put her un- Star Trek uniform on. Shelley Long. Shelley Long. <laughs> like the actress yeah. Shelley Long. <laughs> Who was she in it. the show? <laughs> she was in Cheers along with Kelsey Grammer. Oh yeah. Oh, you're so you're saying bring them both. Oh, both. okay. I got okay. you. I got you. Yeah. I was about to say what. <laughs> No, but yeah, if, if you could replace any of the characters in, or any of the actors who who would be KG, obviously you know who I'm going to go with. The Romulan sub, Don't the Romulan it. commander would have to be you, you absolute coward, Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> Otherwise, Cybok. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Anthony's on a big K- Kelsey Grammer is a villain. Yeah. Well, we right watched. Now. Look, we watched and reviewed. Y'all should go back and listen to the episode. We watched and reviewed a uh, Australian slash Chinese giant spider flick called Seven Guardians of the Tomb in which Kelsey Grammer made every all, all the other actors look bad with his villain. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Who would you recast, Chris? Probably uh, Robert April, just just so we could kick Adrian Holmes out of this show. <laughs> oh, I'd love that. Yeah. I just, at this stage of his career, he can't really be Pike because I think he's a little too old. He sure. definitely can't be Kirk as funny as that would be. No, I just, I think showing up for two, sli- like 
are the cameos like not necessarily Guest cameos, stars. but like two. Yeah, yeah. I think Kelsey Grammer would be great. And the other thing, who is your idiot of the series? Who is the the character who most exhibited idiotic behavior? Well, not even necessarily character. It could be a, it could be a writer. It could be a director. Nah, they were all great. It could be like the key grip. The key grips, man. They've really pulled through on this one. It could be someone who greenlit the show. No, we've done those before, but obviously we love this show. Yeah, we nominated an executive producer once. Yes, we, well, there were like 23 executive producers yeah, on, that, on that movie. I think the character that most acts idiotic is definitely Dr. Aspen in the episode The Serene Squall, the pirate right. with the tattoo yeah. on her face. Yeah. What was her plan? How did she pull this off? Like, what are you doing? It would have been better for her to just jailbreak Cybok. Like, that would have been an interesting episode. And then they have to chase him down. And then it's like a, uh, a fugitive type situation. That would have been really interesting. That's my vote. Do you have anyone that comes to mind, Ro? No, you know what? I'm trying to think. No. You know, one thing we didn't mention and we buried the lead, We uh, nobody mentioned Scotty's arm. Oh, yeah. I had a note about Scotty. Do you think we're going to get Scotty in season two as a replacement for Hammer? Yep. You think so? Yeah. Chris, you're not nodding. You're not shaking your head. You're just kind of moving there, thinking real hard. As long as it's Chris Duhon. Ooh. That's that's the only way I'll be okay with it. He might be too old now. And not Chris Duhon, the actor. Chris Duhon, the basketball player. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'd be I'd be fine with bringing Scotty back. You got to have the original senior crew. Eventually, right? we got we got years. Yeah. We got some years. I disagree. <laughs> I think that we have enough existing characters. I think a problem with television in general and, and Star Trek or, or what have you is that your main characters can't die. They just don't because then you don't have a story and actors have contracts so you know that oh they'll be here for this blah blah blah. It's always kind of a fake out. Like I know that Captain Pike can't die. Because I know that right. the menagerie happens. I know Spot can't die because everything. Yuhura is the same. So the, the fact they kill off him or I'm like, oh, they're willing to do this. They're willing to wrap up a character art in a very um, dramatic fashion. way. In dramatic right. fashion. Yeah, thank you. But if they bring Scotty on, I'm like, okay, well, that's just one more character that can't be harmed that is going to be okay at the end of every episode. And I, I prefer to be able to have at least a little bit of suspension of disbelief that bad things can't happen to these characters. I wouldn't mind if you got a cameo eventually or, or any anyone else. I mean, as cool as it would be, I think because of the way it impacts storytelling, I'd prefer if they didn't. Sure. That's, but if they do, I'm like totally in. Yeah, I'll do, let's, let's go for it. <laughs> My idiot of the show is the Romulan sub-commander. Yes. Ooh. Yeah, okay. I take mine back. You're right. And the reason why... Not because he disobeys a direct order. I've got a standing set like set of rules for this award. If you directly cause your own death, you're an idiot. Had he never called the Romulan fleet, they'd still be alive, and they could have gone home, and then he could have tattled on his boss, and you know he probably would have gotten shuffled around, or maybe he would have gotten killed, and maybe he would have become the commander of his own ship. But we'll never know because he's an idiot and killed himself. One of the things we didn't talk about is they flipped the death of the the bride. In the balance of terror, the groom actually dies. In this one, the, the bride passes. What I thought was really interesting, like you do a lot of television stuff, in movies, you know, a lot, a lot of film stuff. Like even in 2022, it's really rare to kill a woman on screen. Mm. And so like to like when they showed her body, I was like, wow, mm -hmm. they really, they really they went, went there. there. I thought it was really interesting. Jurassic Park got a lot of flack for that uh, woman that was picked up by the pterodactyl and eaten by the large sea creature. Oh, yeah. 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 And that was gruesome. That was, <laughs> I, did, I did not expect her to die. I'll be honest. I was like, whoa. 
before we give our little uh, plug and and uh, and sign off, you know, rolling out the carpet again for you, Ro. Is there anything you want to shout out? Plug more than thirty seconds this time. Take as much time as you need. Whatever you want to advertise or not. Yeah. So if anybody is in the Chicagoland area on July twenty third, we are having our Red Five Network fan meetup. It's called ScarifCon twenty twenty two. It's the fourth annual meetup. We all get together and uh, celebrate uh, geek fandom. Actor Dominic Pace from The Mandalorian season one will be there. We'll be celebrating with him. It will be happening July twenty third at Murray's Caddyshack Restaurant in Rosemont, Illinois. Come on out. We're gonna have live podcasting between tween two and five. We'll have a 360 degree photo booth that you guys can take selfies and enjoy just hanging out with the 501st. Yeah, lots of fun. Like I said, fourth annual Rosemont Murray's Caddyshack ScarifCon 22. Check it out. Hope to see you guys there. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, when I asked you to plug something, I didn't know it was coming. So that was the that was the best yeah. plug we've had. I was like, oh yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I wish I was not in Texas. <laughs> yeah. For a lot of reasons. For a lot of reasons. But that one's the newest reason yeah. to add to the list. I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you, Ro, for coming on, especially last minute. Just kind of threw out a net. Didn't know if I was going to get anyone or too many people or just one. And here we are. Thanks everyone for listening. Obviously, we're reviewing Star Trek right now, but we review straight to DVD style B movies. Every week, if you have one that you've, you've seen or do you think looks particularly good or particularly bad, do recommend it. Oh, yeah. Do send it our way. You can email us suggestions, scifiwiseguys at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter, at scifiwiseguys. You can DM us or just tweet at us. Uh, we love getting the suggestions because, quite frankly, I'm tired of looking at B-movie movie posters. They're all lies. As I mentioned also at the top of the podcast next week, J. Cho July, uh, definitely join us for that. We'll be putting out some uh, uh, some episode playlists for last year's J. Cho July. So if you do want to catch up and watch the FP series along with us, you can. Fantastic movies. Highly recommend it. Looking forward to FP4 coming out later this year. They've officially announced Lower Deck Season 3. So expect some bonus episodes surrounding more Star Trek late August and into September. Share us with your friends. Share us with your enemies. Stay healthy. Stay hydrated. And um, if your future self pre- presents you with the time stone, just do it. <laughs> just touch, <laughs> just it. touch it. it. Just touch the time stone. Just touch the time touch stone. The time stone. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. That's cool. What's up? (laughs) Uh, I'll I'll tell you when we're off, when we're not recording. Okay. Fair enough.